Welcome to Cars Yeah, show number 586. Never put off to tomorrow what you can do today. This is Cars Yeah, where you'll enjoy interviews with inspiring automotive enthusiasts. Mark Green is here to provide you with a fuel injection of automotive inspiration. So get in, sit down, buckle up, and get ready for a wild ride here on Cars Yeah. I'll never worry again about having a dead battery with my NOCO Genius Boost Jump Starter. This compact tool fits in my glove box and features rechargeable lithium battery technology that'll jumpstart a dead battery in my car, boat, truck, or RV. The Genius Boost features built-in spark-proof technology and reverse polarity protection to safely jumpstart any of my vehicles. The compact, ergonomically designed clamps are built from solid copper for maximum conductivity. There's a built-in ultrabite dual LED flashlight with seven modes, including an SOS and emergency strobe. I use my Genius Boost Jump Starter to charge my phone, tablet, and laptop while I'm on the road or if the power goes out in my home. The unit itself is easily rechargeable in my vehicle. The Genius Boost from NOCO is the ultimate emergency tool that's safe and easy to use. Quality design, state-of-the-art technology from NOCO, the battery car source since 1914. I've got one in each of my vehicles. Get yours at GeniusChargers.com. Hello, automotive enthusiasts. I am revved up and so excited to introduce today's very special guest, Richard Truesdell. Richard, are you buckled up and ready for a fun ride? Uh, as always, Mark. <laughs> Good, as always. That's the way to be. Richard Truesdell is an automotive photographer and journalist. He produces the Automotive Traveler magazine and Legendary Cougar magazine. His early entrepreneurial career included owning and operating a car stereo store. He began writing audio reviews for publications including Car and Driver, Autotronics, and Motor Trend. And he became the editor of Car Audio and Electronics at Prime Media. And from there he left to become a freelance contributor to dozens and dozens of automotive magazines. And today Richard's working on a quarterly replacement for Motor Trend Classic, planned for a launch later this year or perhaps next spring. Richard, I've told our listeners just a tiny bit about you. Would you take a brief moment and share a little bit more about your career and, of course, your passion for automobiles? Well, Mark, the, the passion for automobiles uh, started uh, more than five decades ago. Uh, I had a father that inspired me to uh, have an interest in cars, and uh, for my 12th birthday, my parents got me a um, professional-grade camera and I have been uh, shooting cars ever since uh, probably more than 10,000 of them in the last five decades. Oh, my and, gosh. Uh, really uh, have concentrated uh, over the last 20 years uh, as a full-time automotive writer and photographer and pretty well known for uh, a style that I've developed uh, in shooting cars, especially in the 60s, a big muscle car enthusiast. Mm -hmm. I used to contribute to muscle car enthusiasts. I, I really enjoy taking pictures of cars in what I would call vernacular settings where if it's a muscle car from the 60s, I'll shoot it in a 60s subdivision. Or if it's a 50s car, try to find uh, uh, a diner or a drive-in that really evokes the era of the car. Yeah. And... Uh, you know, do the same thing with uh, European cars. I contribute to a couple of Mercedes magazines. So I, I try to find 
backgrounds that have a continental look, as I like to say. What fun. That's very cool. Well, five decades. Oh, my goodness. That's uh, that's a long time to be behind the lens. So <laughs> That dates me, though, Mark. That's for sure. You and me combined, but that's okay. It just means we have lots of experience. Well, as we continue on your journey, I always like to start by asking my guests for a success quote. It's some kind of saying or mantra that's been important to you in your life and your career. It's a nice way to get the inspirational tires turning here on Cars, yeah? So, Richard, take the wheel. Never put off to tomorrow what you can do today. (laughs) Yes, absolutely. Well, how have you incorporated that success quote into your business and your life and your passion for cars? I would say that it started, um, you know, when I was still in high school and college, uh, I had an interest in not only cars, but automotive audio, and had the opportunity with uh, a high school buddy to start installing car stereos uh, part-time, and started in my parents' driveway doing installs for a local uh, Lafayette uh, electronics store, and they were selling car stereo, but they didn't have any install capabilities so they were a couple blocks away and they would send the people to me with a card and what turned out uh so funny was i was uh, a high school social studies teacher at the time and i was making more money on the weekends uh installing car stereos than i was all week as a teacher and as a coach (laughs) you learn the entrepreneurial secret Uh, a lot of hard work and uh you get a little bit of a reward at the end so Very cool. Well, I like that mantra. I like that idea because procrastination is the killer of everything. And it's so easy to just put things off and not do things today that you should and could do tomorrow. So definitely something to live by. You know, you mentioned uh, getting that camera back when you were a little boy and launching your career as a photographer. But I'd love for you to share a story with us that instigated your passion for cars, automobiles. Tell us that pivotal moment in your life when you realized that you were indeed a car guy. That's really, really easy. It was um, when I was 10 years old. And I don't know if you remember it, but in the 60s, uh, I think it was ABC's Wide World of Sports. I know it was on ABC. They would broadcast the first and last hours of Lamar. So that would be on the East Coast, uh, uh, 10 a.m. in the morning on Saturday and 10 a.m. on Sunday. And I can remember it almost like it was yesterday, sitting in my parents' living room and watching the start and the end with my dad. Mm-hmm. And that's when you knew you had gasoline in your veins instead of blood. (laughs) Yeah. And at just about the same time, maybe a couple months earlier, this was 64, late 63, uh, I'm walking home from school and this bronze colored car. It didn't sound like a car drove by me. And it looked a lot like my mom's Thunderbird. Mm hmm. And I went home in that night and to, said to my dad, I uh, saw this really strange car going through the neighborhood, and I couldn't recognize it, and I didn't really know what it was. And we went to the World's Fair uh, the following April. We're walking from the Ford Rotunda to the Chrysler exhibit, and I pointed the car out to my dad. It turned out it was the Chrysler Turbine car. Oh, my gosh. And uh, in 2006, I called in a couple of chips with, my friends on the uh, at the time, the Daimler Chrysler communications team, and got a chance through the museum to actually drive one of the museum's uh, Chrysler turbine cars. Oh wow! So that 
those two instances, and, and the first one, uh, you know, watching Lamar, really turned to become full circle in 2005. In uh, 2005, I had the opportunity to drive a full, the new Ford GT and a Dodge Viper from uh, London to Maranello and back. Oh, how fun. And we had the opportunity through, it was just one lucky break after another, but uh, one of the stops on that trip was to photograph a GT40 at the Palomar Museum. And when I came out, we had met some uh, colleagues in France, and you know, after I photographed the museum, I went outside and the Viper was gone and the 4GT was gone, but my French friend, uh, uh, Christoph Schwartz, has uh, come up to, in his Mustang and says, Richard, actually said Richard, Richard, we have the cars in the pits. And what happened was, uh, has pays to have friends that speak the language. Christoph knew the track director at Le Mans, who was just retiring, and what was interesting was that the 4GT that I just photographed in the museum was the ex-Ford France car that ran at Le Mans, and it was once owned by the track director. Okay. And one thing led to another, and we ended up driving the 4GT and the Viper on the circuit Bugatti, you know, the closed portion of Le Mans. Mm -hmm. And when we got done with that session, uh, we were with a group of, I was with a group of three other people, a great friend from my audio days, and two representatives from Ford's PR team. And so we're in a McDonald's right outside of, a, outside of the track. And the first thing I did is I called my dad and I said, Dad, you can't believe what I've just done. <laughs> and he knew I was in Europe, but he had no idea where I was. I said, Dad, I just drove a 4GT at Le Mans. <laughs> now, it wasn't, it wasn't the original 4GT, but it was close enough. And and, uh, and I always like to say that really was the uh, the high point of my uh, my life. It's all gone downhill from there. But really, <laughs> You know, that is something that, you know, very few people can say they've done. And, yeah. Uh, I got the pictures to prove it. And come full circle. Very cool. What a wonderful story. Well, Richard, I would love to take a look at some of the roads you've driven down. Crawl under the hood and have you share a huge challenge or even a big failure that you faced along the way in your career. Being an entrepreneur, boy, the life of an entrepreneur is up and down roller coaster rides. But take us to one particular moment, one painful moment. Bring us there. But the most important part is, how did you overcome the situation, and what did it teach you so you could move forward? Well, in the 80s, I had a, a, a great run, the first great run, when I had my car stereo score. In, in 1980, my position as a uh, social studies teacher was eliminated in a you know cutback, uh, declining enrollment. Uh, and you always try to make lemonade from lemons, so... That's when I took the part-time job and turned it into cartoons, mobile electronics. And, you know, in August of 1985, uh, things were going well enough that I went out and bought a five-year-old 308 GTSI. Cool. And um, that was a high point of that part of, of my life. But six years later, the markets had changed. The OEMs were killing the aftermarket. It really was the start of that process mm -hmm. and and the first Gulf War really I couldn't sustain my business and and shut it down mm. for the first time since I was teaching I went and worked for other people but in uh, 1997 as my 
career as a freelance journalist uh, evolved, I got a call from uh, somebody who says, well, Prime Media, actually was K3 at the time, was owned by Rupert Murdoch, mm-hmm. uh, had bought a small boutique publisher. They, they had already bought Automobile Magazine, and they bought a boutique publisher that was publishing a magazine called Car Audio and Electronics. And that was kind of the industry Bible. And uh, interviewed for the job, and they did want to meet my requirements to move from Albuquerque. But, you know, five days later, they called me back and said, we want to hire you. And I said, well, I'll be there on Tuesday morning. And I never edited a magazine. And here I was. Oh, my wow. name was at the, the top of the masthead. Everybody had quit because nobody wanted to commute from the San Fernando Valley down to Orange County. That's a three-hour commute each way. And yeah, nobody wanted. No, no one's going to do that. But it was the greatest job I ever had. I loved what I was doing, but unfortunately, the, the publisher thought I wanted his job, which I really didn't. I was editing the world's biggest car stereo magazine, and he was selling ads. Like, mm. but I wanted, who, who wants to sell ads? <laughs> and, uh, you know, he contrived to throw me under the bus, and uh, that was a low point, a, a, a real low point. Yeah. You know, I took a step back, and 90 days later, I had restarted my freelance uh, writing and, quite honestly, was making more money working out of my house than I was uh, 60, 70 hours a week in an office. So that was a good, you know, a uh, friend of mine, Lucette Nicole, a PR person in the audio industry, when uh, I lost a job at Car Audio and Electronics, says, Rick. When one door closes, another door opens. And she was really right. And in fact, many doors opened and had another really great run for 10 years. Awesome. Great story. Great comeback out of, uh, as you say, from lemons to lemonade. So uh, yeah, definitely a wonderful story and a good ending too as well. Let's shift gears and go to the other end of the spectrum. I'd love for you to share one of those career aha moments. It's a time when the headlights come on and kind of illuminate a new direction for you, a new idea a new path. Tell us the steps you took to turn that particular aha moment into a success. Well, uh, I think it's an evolving success, but in 2007, uh, a good friend of mine from the audio side of the business, uh, he always knew my passion to start a magazine that combined uh, autom- automotive uh, topics and, and travel topics. I always like to say car and driver meets Condon Nash Traveler. And together we launched uh, Automotive Traveler. Mm-hmm. And it was a digital-only magazine when the idea of a digital magazine was still evolving. It was pre-iPad. So, you know, that was four years into the future, three years into the future. Right. And we produced uh, four issues in 2007, and we just forgot one very important thing. Since we were, unlike a lot of websites, and were paying for content, we didn't have any revenue mm. uh, to speak of. No, mm. advertisers didn't get what we were doing. Right. But we've kept that flame going, uh, We've relaunched uh, in uh, 2010 uh, and did another series of six more magazines using, at that point, our own platform. And, and what was great about it is it, it did allow uh, me to travel and do things uh, you know, like the 4GT trip. The first uh, cover story we did was a, uh, a Ferrari junket in uh, uh, the entire Western Hemisphere was uh, driving a 599 Ferrari from uh, South America 
all the way to uh, Washington, D.C., and, and I drove the leg from uh, Lima, Peru to Quito, Ecuador. Oh, my gosh. And, you know, every every week, Ferrari was, uh, and Shell and their other sponsors were flying journalists in from all over the world, uh, four at a time, to do these, drive these two, they had a red one and a blue one. And, um, you know, that was a high point, uh, you know, doing that. Yeah. And, of course, the uh, the 4GT story with the Viper the year before. In 2004, I was writing for a Corvette enthusiast. Mm-hmm. And uh, for a story, instead of just flying into Geneva to cover the Geneva Auto Show, I flew into Amsterdam, picked up a Corvette, and drove to... Uh, Geneva to cover the show for Motor Trend and other other magazines at the time. A year later, actually six months later, the editorial director, uh, Rob Reeser, said to me, he was a, not only the editorial director, but he was editing Mustang enthusiasts. He says, Rich, can you do the same thing with a new Mustang? Cool. And I said, well, I can try. And I called the contacts up at Ford and Dearborn. Ultimately, they said, no, we have no car available for you. So I called Chrysler, Diamond Chrysler at the time, and I got a Chrysler uh, uh, Crossfire SRT6, and I had to pick it up in Paris. Mm-hmm. Well, it turns out I flew through Heathrow, missed my flight, and got on the next plane. And I was kind of like, uh, you know, just trying to collect myself. And there was a gentleman sitting on the window seat, well-dressed, and he's reading a copy of Automotive News Europe. Mm-hmm. And after I got settled in, it's a pretty short flight, as you know, uh, I introduced myself and we started talking. And I was telling him I was going to come to the Geneva Auto Show. And he said, well, I, you know, I'm going there too. And he hands me his card and it says, Paul Harrison, Director of Public Affairs for the Europe. Hmm. And he asked me, like, why are you going to Paris to pick up your car? And I said, well, Paul... Uh, I had actually asked Ford for a Mustang. You remember in 2005, the Mustang was brand new. Oh, yeah. And he looks at me with a kind of a sly grin because I told him Ford and Dearborn had turned down my request. And he says, well, Rick, I have to tell you, I'm the one who turned down your request. Oh, so you're sitting right next to the guy. <laughs> right. And he then says to me, he says, well, I'd like to make it up to you. How would you like a Ford GT for a couple of days oh, the no. next time you're in Europe? <laughs> eh, not I said, really. twist, <laughs> twist, twist my arm. Yeah, I think so. And he said, well, I've got a really good idea. And what do you think? And he says, why don't you use the new Ford GT to, to meet up with a couple of vintage GT40 owners? Nice. And I said, what a great idea. And he said, well, let's talk about it in Geneva. And uh, so we landed in Paris. As soon as I got off the plane, I called a good friend at Clyde Matson. He's uh, really uh, uh, up there in the Shelby American community. Uh, you know, I know, I know Clyde. I know Clyde from okay. way, way back. Yeah. So you say so you know what a great guy oh, he yeah. is. And I said, Clyde, I need to know where there's about a half a dozen GT40s, vintage GT40s in Europe. And I explained why. So by the time I got to Geneva five days later, I had a whole itinerary planned out for Paul. And he says, Rich, I was going to give you a car for a day or two, not a week. Nobody's gotten a car for a week yet. But he loved the idea because I had located GT40s all across Europe. Nice. So he eventually green-lighted the deal. But then in May, he calls me and says, Rich, I got bad news. A journalist wrecked our one Ford GT at Monza. We don't know if we're going to be able to rebuild it. Mm. You know, and this was a matter of them writing off a $150,000 car. Well, it turns out they fixed the car. I actually had Aston Martin 
had the only jig in Europe that could fix the car, apparently. Hmm. And the first week of July, um, I uh, prepared to go to Europe. And at the same time, Chrysler called me up and because I'd asked for a Viper when I was in Geneva as well, thinking, oh, God, a Ford GT and a Viper, how cool would that be? And they called me up, and they says, Rich, you know, what do you want us to do? You know, we've got a Viper for you. Now, this is Chrysler, Great Britain. Mm-hmm. I said, well, I'm coming over the first week in July, and, you know, they had the car waiting for me. You know, we, we got into our hotel, and the concierge calls up, and they say, Mr. Truesdale, there's this big red sports car parked under the canopy. Can you move it? It's in the way. <laughs> And then the next day, we, we drove to the really famous Ford Press Garage to pick up the GT, and we were off, and uh, three hours later, we were just outside of London, and we'd you know, come across the first of six Ford GTs that we would encounter, you know, vintage Ford GTs and GT40s right. that we would encounter right. over the next seven days. So. Very cool. Well, you never know what a missed plane flight might bring your way. <laughs> in your case, yeah, yeah. In your case yeah. pretty amazing. So very cool story. Thank you for sharing that. Now, let's talk a little bit about a Prada's career moment. I would assume you've had many, uh, you've had careers for a long, long time, but is there one in particular that stands out for you? Oh, God. Well, the 4GT story was, you know, it was a high point. I think also the day... Uh, we hit the switch and automotive traveler went live in April, 2007. Mm-hmm. And then uh, a little over two years ago, um, my business partner, Bill Besor, who backed me in automotive traveler, we launched a print digital hybrid called legendary Cougar magazine. And, and what we figured out was a way to combine print on demand publishing, which would allow us to print a magazine for a very, very small niche. And, with Legendary Cougar, you know, Bill is really well connected in the classic Cougar community, and, and I was already self-publishing through CreateSpace on Amazon. And we've just, you know, yesterday, why I'm so tired today is we've just published our 11th issue. Very cool. And we've built a business model that you can actually print a newsstand-quality magazine for a very, very small target market. And and when we look at Legendary Cougar, it basically has no advertising. We have like three or four pages of advertising. So we are publishing a magazine for the subscribers. We're not publishing a magazine for advertisers, which is not the way magazines are done today. So we are writing a magazine that's very clearly targeted to 67 to 73 Cougar owners. We've been able to sustain it for two years. We're preparing for our third year. and We don't make a huge amount of money, but we have a lot of fun doing it. And the community really you know, supports what we're doing. Nice. Very cool. Well, it's a very interesting thing and phenomenon with what's going on these days. There's so many different opportunities with the Internet and technology and the things that can happen that couldn't happen even just a few years ago. So congratulations and kudos for that. Very cool. Let's have a little bit of fun and go back in time. I'd love for you to share your first really special car and maybe a memory you have with that vehicle. (laughs) I mentioned it earlier in uh, 1985. The cartoons was doing really well, and uh, I always wanted a Ferrari. One of my clients uh, was a leasing company, and it turned out I found a, it's probably the worst Ferrari I could have bought. It was a 1980 308 GTSi. I like to call it the first low-performance Ferrari, if there was (laughs) such a thing. 
Well, pretty pretty big, uh, large, mass-produced car, that car. But still, it's a Ferrari, and it's fun to drive, yeah. so, yeah. Well, the thing is, is that uh, I can't remember what I had for dinner last night, but I do remember the VIN number. It was 34047. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and uh, I've wondered where it ended up, because over the five years I owned it, I drove it 75,000 miles. That oh, my gosh. My daily, it was my daily driver. It had 95,000 miles on it when I sold it in 91. Wow. And I bet you somewhere it's a low-mileage, original paint, 308 GTSI with 8,000 miles on it that's going to cross the auction box sometime. But yeah. I, know the, I know the secret of 34047, that's for sure. <laughs> Very cool. Great story. I love it. How about seller's remorse? Is there a car you've let go that you really wish you had back in the garage? Two of them. Hmm. The, the Ferrari, obviously, but I wish I never sold my first car, and I it did set me on a path kind of for the rest of my life. In high school, my uh, between my junior and senior, I bought a 1965 Rambler American 440H two-door hardtop. It was a very cool car, and I wish I'd never sold it, but uh, the reverse gear on the Borg Warner uh, automatic went and uh, ultimately gave the car away. And since then, I've owned, got almost a dozen uh, 64 to 69 Americans and Rogues, convertibles, hardtops. I even had a station wagon that I painted as a big scheme scrambler with uh, a rattle. I rattle canned it with a can of red paint, blue paint. It was a white car. So I'd like to have that first red and white two, uh, the uh, two-door hardtop uh, 440H back in my garage. How about current projects? What are you working on today that really has you excited and fired up for the future? Well, you, you mentioned it, I guess, earlier. The working title is Automotive Traveler's Classic Car. I just find it incredible here in the United States after Motor Trend Classic uh, had uh, ceased publication that we don't have a vintage car magazine on the level of an Octane, a classic and sports car, Automotor Classic in Germany. We just don't have that caliber of a magazine. Mm -hmm. uh, and we're trying to leverage, you know, everything that we've learned with uh, Automotive Traveler and, and especially uh, Legendary Cougar that I want to build a post-war classic car magazine, do it quarterly and sometime in the fall, hopefully. We'll have a Kickstarter or GoFundMe to get the seed money to, to launch it because we can do this with just a thousand subscribers. And, and my goal would be to grow it over a three to five year period to 5,000 subscribers. And by that time, I'll be at that magic age of retirement that I could uh, move anywhere I want. And I kind of want to retire in, in Italy. Uh, it's been my goal for the last 10 years. And I can produce a magazine anywhere there's a high-speed internet connection. Yeah, that's the great thing about the the technology today is you can have businesses and operate businesses from anywhere in the world, literally. And I've talked to people that have done that. They've moved to their dream city or town or country village in Italy, as you say, and they can still operate and do things uh, quite well there. So very cool. Well, what, something that I did when, when you sent me the invitation to be your guest today, I went and looked at some of your previous guests. Many of them are friends and colleagues of mine. Yeah. And it's a virtual who's who of potential contributing editors. So <laughs> I've got a nice list for you. <laughs> you, you. You do. And I thought, I, 
you know, this was pretty fortuitous that, you know, you asked me to, to do this. <laughs> Very nice. Well, I'll remind our listeners on the Cars yeah website, there's a tab at the top of the landing page called resources and that's what we're talking about here and you can click and see all the different categories of guests that have been here on cars yeah of course richard is my 586th guest in two years so i've talked to a lot of people but they're all broken down by category and yeah the uh the journalists and authors category is by far the largest but there's all different categories celebrities racers concord directors um artists, all sorts of different people. So very cool. Thank you for your kind words. Now, here's a very introspective question for you, Richard. If you were a car, what kind of car would Richard be and why? Hmm. That's a tough one. Um, <laughs> it's a unique one, that's for sure. Yeah. Uh, if I could come back as a car, be reincarnated, it probably would be with that. It would be that 308 GTSI. Nice. Uh, you know, <laughs> so much of my history is tied up in that car, I yeah. would say. Yeah. Very cool. Nice car. And they are going up a bit in value now, finally. They kind of lingered down there because of the volumes of production, I think, and so forth. But now they've kind of come back up. So uh, very much wanted as well. So, Richard, up next is the last lap. But before we put the pedal to the metal, let's say thank you to today's Cars Yeah sponsors. Hey, Cars Yeah listeners, I have a question. What's the best way to protect your vehicle, both the exterior and the interior? It's with a car cover. I've been using Covercraft car covers since 1975. It's the fast, easy, and inexpensive way to keep your vehicle looking new. Covercraft is the world's largest manufacturer of custom patterned vehicle covers, and they are crafted to fit like a custom suit, with over 80,000 patterns available. And they're made in the USA. But Covercraft is much more than car covers. Their vehicle protection system protects your cars, motorcycles, watercrafts, and RVs, exteriors from the elements and the interiors from the wear and tear of daily life car covers front end masks dash covers seat covers floor mats and much much more covercraft offers you a full array of custom accessories made specifically for and styled to complement and protect your special vehicle covercraft is the right choice i use them on all my vehicles and your special vehicles will love them too learn more today at covercraft.com and you can get free shipping when you use the code at checkout, Cars Yeah. If you own collector cars and still have a little bit of money left over, congratulations. You're ahead of most people, but what should you do with the money you don't spend on cars? Talk to Chris Kimball, Certified Financial Planner Practitioner. For over 20 years, he's been helping people just like you and me with their financial planning and investments. And he's a car guy, too. Call 253 722 plan or you can view his website at www.chrisvkimble.com make sure your investments are running on all eight cylinders or 12 or 16 securities through money concepts capital corp member finra sipic okay richard we're back and we're entering the last lap and this is where i'm going to fire off a series of questions and ask you to give our listeners some very quick blips of the throttle answers. So you ready? Go ahead. What's the best automotive advice you've ever received? Well, I would say in terms of, because I cover the collector car auction scene, buy what moves your passions, not buy something because you think it's going to be a good investment. Absolutely. And I've heard that from many wise people, because if the market turns, which it always does, you'll be stuck with that car and you want to be stuck with something you love, not something you don't like. Would you share a personal habit 
that you believe has helped contribute to your success over the years? Eternal optimism. <laughs> uh, when yes. things get bad, I have I have a saying every morning that you put two feet on the floor is a good day and that you can accomplish something. Absolutely. You sound like my father. He says the same thing. Oh, God. <laughs> and never having had any kids, that's a strange way to characterize that. <laughs> well, and his name is Richard, too, so maybe there's a tie into that. But uh, I think he got it from his dad. His dad used to say, any day I'm above dirt is a good day. So yep. do you have a resource that you think the Car Show listeners would really enjoy? Uh, well, if you like the combination of auto automobiles and travel, not just to exotic locations, but interesting locations, certainly I, I'd like to plug if I can. Yes, absolutely. AutomotiveTraveler.com. We have an archive there of many of the articles that we produce, especially those over the, the last six years. And there's a link to all of the issues, the digital issues of Automotive Traveler magazine. Mm-hmm. If you like classic Cougars, go to LegendaryCougar.com. But uh, some of the things that I watch every day, because I get their email blasts, BarnTimes.com, absolutely essential. Cool. Curbside Classics, uh, another one. Great essays on pretty arcane automotive topics. Very cool. All great resources for sure. And I would encourage listeners to check out Richard's uh, websites. Really fun places to go. Uh, You'll be there for a while, I guarantee you. How about a book? There's a lot of great books out there, but is there a book that you've read recently that you think the Car Show listeners should crack open and read as well? Preston Tucker. I've got a review copy of it right in front of me by Steve Leto. Nice. Steve wrote the book on the Chrysler Turbine car, mm-hmm. uh, and, and I consider that the definitive resource. I, I've always said that if he ever revised, does a second edition, I hope he'll call me because I do have some great pictures of uh, the day I drove the Turbine car back in uh, 2006. Cool. Very cool book. Yeah, we've had uh, Sean Tucker, Preston Tucker's grandson, as a guest here on Cars. Yeah, and Rob Ida, who's building the Tucker Torpedo in his shop. He's an amazing uh, artisan, if you will, who builds and restores cars. So uh, great book reference. And I'll remind our listeners you can find all these great resources on Richard's very own show notes page at com slash Richard Truesdell. And Richard's last name is spelled T-R-U-E-S-D-E-L-L. And there's another great place on the Cars Yeah website called Guest Recommended Books. Under that Resources tab I mentioned earlier, where all the past 585 guests before Richard books are listed for quick, easy clicks to buy. All right, Richard, we are up to the checkered flag, and this last question can be a real doozy. If you could have only one collector car in your garage... But money's no object. Don't worry about that, because today I'm writing the check. What would that vehicle be, and more importantly, why? Uh, I'd actually look towards what will be collectible in the future. Uh, It's great to have an unlimited budget, but I just think, without equivocation, it would be a Dodge Charger SRT8 Hellcat. I mean, uh, what car can you name brand new out the door? With four doors, that goes 202 miles an hour. I mean, we live in great times. And, uh, you know, it's a car that you can drive every day. It's a car that you could uh, take to the track for a track day. And it just looks damn good. (laughs) And that's important. Yeah, what color would you like that Hellcat to be in? Mm, Probably red. Red. There you go. Yeah, Yeah, yeah. Back to your Ferrari roots there. Well, Richard, you've taken me on an awesome ride today, and I've really enjoyed your stories. And I want to thank you for sharing 
your journey with the Cars Yeah listeners. Could you offer us one parting piece of guidance before you rip off into the sunset in that bright red Dodge Charger Hellcat? Put your pedal to the metal. And as uh, my friend Bruce Meyer, uh, uh, it's his trademark, not mine, never lift. Yes, Bruce was a guest here on the show. I love that line, never lift. I've shared that with other people. Very good advice. And again, what's the best way for our listeners to learn more about you? Go and subscribe to your publications and learn more about your business. Probably just go to my Facebook page, um, facebook.com forward slash richard.truesdale.three. Because I, that's kind of like the clearinghouse for everything for me. And I generally do four or five posts a day, automotive posts. And sometimes it's cars that catch my eye, uh, friends that I've made through through Facebook mm-hmm. uh, and their automotive passion. So it's kind of like what you're doing, but kind of open to the world. Uh, was there more than a billion Facebook members now? And, <laughs> There's you know, a lot of people out there. That's for sure. Well, listeners, again, you can find links to everything Richard has been so kind to share at carsyad.com. Just type Richard in the search box. His page will pop up with links to everything that he shared today and that we've talked about so that you can get there, check them out, check out his publications. I think you're going to have a lot of fun. Richard, thanks again for being so generous today with your time and your expertise and for sharing your experiences with the Cars Yeah listeners. Until we talk again, I'll see you down the road. Thanks so much, Mark, for having me. You're welcome. Thank you so much for joining us on today's ride here at Cars Yeah. Drive on over to CarsYeah.com to find show notes and inspiring automotive fun. Download your free copy of Filler Up, a fun book filled with gorgeous photographs of fuel filler fun, including quotes from more inspiring automotive enthusiasts. Download your copy today, and we'll see you next time on Cars Yeah.